What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Just Grow It, the podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Big City Gardener. And today we have one of my longtime social media friends joining us for the show. We have Resh Gala. Would you mind introducing yourself for everybody, please? Thank you so much, Timothy. First of all, it's wonderful to finally meet you. And I know we've been friends forever, it seems, on social media, but we've finally been able to connect through your podcast. So I appreciate this so much. And just to introduce myself, like you mentioned, I'm Resh, and I'm basically a gardening coach. I don't consider myself an expert, but I love teaching people, you know, how to grow their own food organically. And I'm also founder and owner of my own business called 100 Tomatoes. And that actually, we design, install, and maintain urban organic vegetable gardens here in New Jersey. So that's what I do. I teach people how to, you know, grow their own food, and then I help people actually create their own gardens to do so. Nice. How did you come up with the name 100 Tomatoes? <laughs> I think that's um, when people hear that, that's the first question I get asked. And um, actually, I came up with the name because I'm obsessed with growing tomatoes. And the first time, which is about five years ago, um, I purchased uh, two tomato plants from a big box retailer here close to my home. And I had no experience in gardening, zero whatsoever. And as you can imagine, all I did was just take those two tomato plants, put them in small little pots and put them in my shaded patio and uh, just, you know, kept watering them thinking, you know what, um, I'm going to get some fabulous Jersey tomatoes, right? <laughs> <laughs> and as you can imagine, I didn't know anything about soil, anything about fertilizing, anything about sunlight. And naturally, all I got was two tomatoes out of my two plants for real. And they were literally so small. And I think it had blossom end rot or something. I couldn't even eat them. <laughs> <laughs> so I was so disappointed. And to be honest, that's how my gardening journey started with the failure to grow tomatoes. And then going from there, obviously, you know, I am now growing a lot of food in a small space. But as an ode to my start of my gardening journey, I named my company 100 Tomatoes that I went I from it. zero to 100. <laughs> I love the name. Thank you. So did you grow up gardening or did you have any exposure to gardening when you were younger? Shockingly, no, none whatsoever. I grew up in India. And as you can imagine, in a big city like Bangalore in India, there wasn't much space to garden. And there was like traffic everywhere, lots of people and cycles and, you know, vehicles and things like that. So it wasn't really a very conducive environment to growing uh, your own food. But I do know that my grandparents did have um, my both my grandfathers, actually, they had a love of gardening. They would constantly, you know, want to at least plant a rose bush here and there, you know. So I grew up with that sort of, you know, love for nature, but no real exposure to vegetable gardening. <laughs> So five years ago, what made you decide to go and buy those two tomatoes and get started on this gardening journey? So it's very interesting. I know a lot of my friends were always, you know, showing off their um, homegrown tomatoes and zucchinis and things like that. So I said, OK, we were just um, at that store and I just happened to see it. I said, let's just pick up two plants and give it a try. And, you know, I think gardening is something like I don't know if it's, it turns into an addiction or a hobby or what it is, but it sparks that interest in you because you're growing something and you're nurturing something almost like your own child or your own kid that you're spending so much of time, energy and effort into it. You want to see it blossom and you want to see it 
it fruit and you want to see it grow. And when that doesn't happen, you, you know, at least I was like concerned, like, what am I doing wrong? How can it be so hard? Because you see at the grocery stores, there are so much of produce everywhere, right? And when you grow your own food, you realize you actually appreciate it more, I think, because you realize the effort that goes into growing every small bit of food. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I think it's just, uh, I think people just need to try it. Once you try gardening, then I don't know, I feel like you get addicted to it. I totally agree. It's something like exercise. I think you get a high from it. Yes. And you really can't explain it. It's just being in nature, being in that zone in the moment. You're not distracted. It's amazing. No, I agree. You said it. You said you can't explain it. And I know when people ask me like, what do you love about gardening? I don't really know how to put my experience in the garden into words. Exactly right. I think it's just, it's one of those things. It just gives you a high and you watch your plants grow and you nurture them and then you enjoy that experience. So when you started, I know you said you started with your two tomato plants. What did you grow the following season? So starting from those two tomato plants, so the failure rather to grow those two (laughs) tomato plants, (laughs) the next year I basically, I hired a landscaper to come in and in my backyard build out four really small raised beds. I think they were pretty much two feet by three feet. So really small by any standards. And they were about, I think, what, about 10 inches or so tall. So I got more plants again. I didn't start them from seeds, none of that stuff. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to give this a try. It can't be that hard. Maybe the container was the problem and it needs sunlight, things like that. So I got the basics right that, okay, we need sunlight and we need a little more space. (laughs) (laughs) So I went out and got some more plants and planted it in. Unfortunately, nothing grew again. So the following year, to answer your question, I basically went out and got like some squash, like a zucchini plant, cucumber, more tomatoes, some basil, mint, all those kind of things. I thought they were easy to grow. Your, you know, your refrigerator basics, so to speak, right? Right. <laughs> right. So I got those plants and I planted them. I got paid a landscaper a lot of money to build my raised beds. And shockingly, nothing grew because the soil was so poor. I think he must have really filled it with pretty much the worst quality, construction quality topsoil. Perhaps it had rocks in it. You could see, you could see it. So nothing grew. And that's when I started reading more, researching more, watching more YouTube videos. So I'm basically self-taught gardener, you could say. So when I started, you know, reading about all this stuff, I understood that the crux of a good plant or the health of your plant really depends on the soil. So that led me actually into composting. Okay. So it's very, very funny, but it's like a journey, so to speak, right? And then I got myself a tumbling composter because I live in a small space and um, I was afraid that, you know, it's going to smell a lot. Like most people, they're concerned with composting is oh my god it's going to you know smell really bad and it's not going to look uh, very appealing in my backyard but I think that's completely it's so far from the truth because these days you have these amazing tumbling composters especially like you know you're in a big city big city gardener (laughs) so you know that and I started composting successfully and when I added compost to my beds that fall and I amended the soil that completely changed the game for me actually it's things started getting better and better. Initially, everybody, my whole family, everybody was complaining, saying that, Rish, 
all you do is you're in the garden for hours and you keep, you know, checking for aphids and pests and, you know, insects and things like that, which is a huge problem because the plants weren't really that healthy given the soil wasn't that good. But when I added that homegrown or homemade compost, it just changed things around. And I amended my soil and I think things just got better after that each season. Okay. I like that. I like that. I don't think people pay enough attention to their soil or the quality of soil. So you said your landscaper came in and put in probably the worst soil ever. Well, when I started the garden at my house now, I bought the cheapest soil that I could find and nothing grew probably for, yeah, at least a year. And I had to spray it with compost tea and hit it with a lot of compost tea every couple of weeks. And then after about a year, that soil started turning into better soil. So exactly. All that to say, I agree with you that the health of your plants definitely depends on your soil. Yep, I totally agree. I mean, so it's been a journey for me going from no tomatoes to bad soil to, you know, seeing some success with composting. And I think the following year, really, I had a good harvest. And that kind of led me into getting a plot at Duke Farms, which is an allotment style community garden. And I started growing in like a 15 feet by 15 feet space over there. And that got me in touch with so many more, you know, gardeners, courses that they had to offer. And it's um, a wildlife sanctuary as well. And just to learn from each other, to see what everybody's growing and all the uh, tips and tricks that people are using. And it's a 100% organic way of growing food over there. So that got me more and more interested into, you know, trying different things. And so last year, actually, when COVID hit and the farm was closed, I was actually desperate. I said, oh, my God, I really need to grow more. And where am I going to grow everything? (laughs) So I redid my garden myself, actually, and built myself larger, bigger, deeper raised beds. And kind of, you know, put in the soil after all the research I'd done and all the, you know, failures and tribulations that I'd experienced. I really learned to do that myself. And that completely changed the game. Uh, My harvests were the best I ever had. I believe it. That's cool. That's a positive COVID story right there, right? I know. During COVID, you used the time to build a much better garden. I love that. Thank you. Tell me more about Duke Farm. So how big of a farm is it and how easy it is? Is it to get an allotment or a space over there? So I think Duke Farms is probably one of the largest allotment style community gardens in North America, actually. And I think it sprawls the whole, not just the farm, the whole property, I think is over 2,500 to 3,000 acres, I would say. (laughs) Can you imagine? (laughs) I wasn't expecting you to say 100. I thought you were going to say 25 to 30. No, 2,500 to 3,000 acres acres. So it is unbelievable. Like there are walking trails, they have an education center, they teach people about monarch butterflies, and they have an eagle cam as well, where you can watch, you know, each year, the bald eagle give birth to its little babies and watch it live, you know, they have an eagle cam. And plus, it's an amazing wildlife habitat as well. So it's just a sanctuary to be honest. So it's beautiful. And in terms of how difficult or easy it is to get an allotment space, I think each year you have to register, I think around January or so, if you're interested. And it's so inexpensive. It's shockingly, you know, inexpensive. And they provide you with free wood chips. The water is free and included. All that they ask in return is that 
there's a rule book actually that number one, everything has to be grown 100% organically. So any amendments, any soil, anything that you bring into the garden has to be OMRI certified or organic basically. And the second thing that they request is that you at least, you know, volunteer four to five hours of your time for each plot that you have at the farm. So that really, you know, is incredible because a lot of the produce that you grow over there gets donated to food banks, charities, shelters, places that they need the food the most. Most people, I think in general, tend to just donate canned food items or, you know, non-perishable food items to such places. But the fresh food or the perishable items, your lettuce and your tomatoes and other vegetables, Duke Farms donates. I think last year they donated over, what, five, six thousand pounds of food to these places, which is incredible. And all from, you know, the fellow gardeners themselves. So, you know, it's relatively inexpensive. It is, you know, amazing resources. And apart from the volunteer, I think they just request that you spend at least one hour on some kind of continuing gardening education where you take a course or learn something new about gardening. Okay. So when you started there, was everybody extremely friendly and just open, willing to give you all of the knowledge that you may have needed? Well, the thing was that because it's such a big garden, that's a great question, actually. But because it's such a big garden, you don't meet people all the time, right? And so if you get in touch, my neighbor, by the way, at the farm, she is incredible phenomenal. I think she's a master gardener herself and she grows everything from amaranth to goji berries. And I know last year, the sweet potatoes that I grew, the slips were given to me by her. So we kind of exchange seeds and plants and things like that. So to be honest, I would say everybody is so helpful. And I think that's one of the best things about our gardening community is that it's the best set of people, the most helpful, nurturing kind of people. So definitely, yes. Okay. You said you're in New Jersey, correct? Correct. What zone or which zone is that? And then what is it like gardening in that particular zone? So I'm in zone 6B. I'm in Bridgewater, New Jersey. So I'm in zone 6B. And I think if you go by growing just according to the zone, then our growing season is pretty short. So I would say the challenge of growing in a place like New Jersey or in 6B is that we just have five months which is our official growing season between our, you know, first frost date, I mean, last frost date and first frost. So we just have five months in which we can grow, unlike like in Texas or California and Florida, you guys can grow (laughs) year round, right? (laughs) Right, right. So I think one of the challenges is that we have a short growing season. The second challenge I would say is that we, our native soil, the native New Jersey soil is very heavy clay soil. So it's hard to grow things like root vegetables, your carrots and beets because of that. And in terms of the pluses, I would say because it has a longer cooler season, it is wonderfully easy to grow your cool season crops, your kale, your cilantro, lettuce, carrots, beets, bok choy, things like that. It's incredibly easy to grow those. And I think you can also grow your tubers like, not just tubers, but bulbs like garlic, tulips, things like that. So it's really fun, you know, to have a, and you appreciate, to be honest, the best part is that because of your short growing season, you really appreciate 
what you grow a lot more, you know? <laughs> that makes sense. Because, you know, you're only going to have this short window and this might be your only harvest. So you have to love it. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> Which is also why I uh, got into intensive planting or really, you know, packing in a lot of food in a small space. Because when you have a short growing season, every little space you find, you're like, let's grow food, you know? <laughs> I definitely understand. I think that goes or that same thought process applies if you live just like in an urban setting and you only have a small garden, I'm going to plant every inch of that garden. I'm not wasting a centimeter of space. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, I understand. I understand. So I saw one time, I saw a video and I want to say it was with Kellogg's where you had a, like a hoop house, you know, like a hoop house attachment on top of one of your raised beds. Was that yours? That was mine. Yes, that's correct. And basically, that was actually from last year. Okay. And I think I, I'm one of those people, I'm always experimenting in the garden. What else can I grow? How much more can I grow? How, you know, can we grow beyond just our growing season? Right. And so last year, what I did was I got some electrical conduit pipes, the, you know, EMTs, those 10 foot long, half inch thick, so to speak. You get them in all the big box stores. And I bent them using a hoop bender and created mini hoops. And if you don't have that, it's easy to use even your, your PVC pipes as well. Those are easier to bend. And I put those in, covered my raised beds. I didn't even need any special equipment. It's just those pipes. You just push them into the soil. And I just threw over some farm grade plastic. And um, I said, you know what, let's see how long these plants can survive in there. I mean, what's the worst case? Anyway, they're going to die, right? Because right. it's going to snow a lot. It'll be extremely cold over here in New Jersey. But surprisingly, or rather shockingly, I had grown like mustards, beets, carrots, parsley, cilantro. What else? I had fenugreek, which is an Indian vegetable, spinach even. And all of those things completely survived our two feet of snow in single digit temperatures. It was shocking. And all I did was just cover them. It wasn't even like any fancy equipment, nothing. And, you know, I know towards the end of the season, I was harvesting carrots in like January. I don't know if you've seen one of my carrot harvests. I swear I had, I mean, like literally my kids and everybody was sick of having like carrot juice. Because I'm like, <laughs> we have so many carrots, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but um, you, you just, you've got to try. And then only then will you know, you know, what you can grow. Right. And what's possible. I love that saying. Hey, I, I know the feeling of your kids, even my wife, getting tired of eating certain foods when they're in season. Because yeah. when it's kale time, you have kale for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, seven days a week. <laughs> <laughs> I know, kale's popping out of your ears, right? <laughs> yes, yes. And when we get tired of eating it, all right, now it's time we're going to juice it. We're going to yep. juice it. Let's juice the kale. Exactly. That's like green smoothies, right? <laughs> yes, yes. I, I understand. So what are some of your favorite things to grow and then some of your least favorite things to grow? So you might have guessed my number one most favorite thing to grow is, of course, tomatoes. Okay. Right? <laughs> I am just obsessed with trying every single variety that I possibly can. This year I'm growing or I'm this is the first time actually I'm trying to grow varieties such as blue boar berries. And I'm trying tomato tomatoes, as well as the lucid gem and so many others. So it's always fun to try something new. 
And so tomatoes is something I just completely enjoy. And uh, even if you have an like an overdose of tomatoes, worst case, you can, you know, make some pasta sauce and pizza sauce and everybody enjoys those things. So I never get tired of growing tomatoes. I also love growing cucumbers very much because my kids love pickled cucumbers and so easy to make. So I don't grow the long variety because some of them can be a little bitter. So I love the smaller ones. My favorite is homemade pickles Yes, a variety. It's one of the best. I have it in the garden right now. Oh, you do? I do. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I'll send you my recipe, okay, for the pickles. Yes, please do. And then another thing that I really enjoy is garlic, which is shockingly such an easy, easy plant to grow. You just, you know, put it in the ground and forget about it. You don't even need to water it. And yes, it does take up a lot of space, but I like to put it around the borders of my garden, around my raised beds as a nice companion plant, actually. So that's my favorite. Tomatoes, cucumbers, garlic. I love growing those. And the things that I don't like to grow, to be honest, I can't think of any anything. Because I like to try something new. And I know two years ago, I grew bitter melon, which isn't something that I enjoy eating. And I don't know if you're familiar with that. But it's like not a bitter melon, bitter gourd. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. So it's like an Indian delicacy that a lot of people cook with. And it's not something I'm fond of. But when you grow it, you just eat it because you want to taste your own, you know, homegrown food. So there's nothing like, uh, you know, my least favorite plant, to be honest, because whatever you grow, you're going to try it anyway. Radishes, my kids love to eat. Uh, Some people might think, oh my God, aren't they spicy? But I'm like, no, they'll have that. If it's jalapenos even, my kids will have that even in tacos and nachos. So, you know, we'll pickle them and uh, we all enjoy whatever we grow in the garden. So you said bitter gourd. When you grew it, did it taste differently than when you maybe bought it or had it before? No, it was still bitter. <laughs> no, all right, all right. <laughs> I know everybody's like, you have to have a homegrown tomato. They taste so much better. I was just wondering if that translated for the gourd as well. <laughs> no, it was just, I was very attached to it. You could say that. <laughs> okay. But yes, homegrown tomatoes, homegrown cucumbers, everything homegrown taste wonderful you know yes so people don't believe it so i'm like grow it yourself you know and um grow the right variety so you'll enjoy it more i think that's important and i think the only way you can find the right variety is continuing to garden right you can't just grow once like grow one variety one time because like you just named three or four different types of tomatoes that you're growing that some people have probably never heard of Exactly. And I'm always growing more varieties each year, not just your standard tomato that you get at the grocery store. When you go there, it's just tomatoes. It's just cucumbers, you know, and maybe you might have one or two varieties, perhaps. But I'm constantly growing new varieties, not just to experiment, but also to find my new favorite, because I feel like there's always something better out there. Yes, I believe in that. So that is also why I try out as much as I do. I have a huge seed collection because of it. (laughs) (laughs) I think everybody, once you start gardening past year two, then you get to having a pretty ridiculous size seed collection. (laughs) Tell me about it. I have seeds that are expired, but I won't throw them away because... I mean, I know they'll still germinate, but it's just I'm attached to them. Exactly right. Yeah, I have my seeds from I don't know how many years, but I'm like, they'll still germinate. If they don't, that's okay. I'll just plant more seeds. (laughs) 
That's it. That's it. Like maybe, maybe I won't have a hundred percent germination rate. Maybe it's only 50, but some will still germinate. So I can't throw this pack away. I think gardening teaches us how to be, you know, totally optimistic and positive, right? Yes. Hoping for the best. <laughs> you have to have that kind of uh, mind state when it comes to gardening. Always. All right. So you mentioned your company, 100 Tomatoes. Can you tell me a little bit more about it? When did you start? So I actually started it this year in January, uh, January 2nd, to be honest. I was going to start my company. I had plans to start it last year, but I think it was like towards the end of the year. And I figured just in terms of accounting and everything, it will be just simpler to start it, you know, in January. And I read somewhere, actually, Jan 2nd is supposedly considered this very special day as per some Armenian tradition, where when you have not just a wish list, but basically if you have something that you really want to achieve or do, then you write it down. And on January 2nd, you take some positive action towards that goal that you have for yourself. And so I'm like, okay, every Jan 2nd, I'm going to go and deposit some money in my bank account or do something, you know, say something really nice and special or do something special for my family, talk to my parents, things like that, things that I want to continue through the rest of the year, some positive habits, maybe work out. And so my thought was Jan 2nd was the day that I said, you know what, I'm going to start a business because my goal is to teach people and to create a whole community of, you know, around gardening organic gardening and to make myself a successful gardener. So I started my business technically on January 2nd. And to be honest, I think I've been gardening now for I think five years since my failure to grow tomatoes. But last year, because of COVID, I think everybody was at home and people had more time. People weren't really selling their houses. They were renovating their homes and their backyards. And so many, many people to be honest, got into gardening last year. And so it was actually in 2020 when I started getting inundated with questions from people about gardening. How do you grow this race? What do I do about this pest? And how do I do composting? Things like that. In fact, a lot of questions. And so that led me actually to start my own business because I figured there was a gap out there in the market. There were so many landscapers, people who did flowers and maintained your lawns, but there wasn't somebody who was actually showing people and creating urban, organic, edible gardens for people and in their homes. So that's what I decided. I said, you know what? People have been asking so many questions. There seems to be an interest. There is this gap in the market. So why don't I, you know, try something and go for it? And so that's how it started. And uh, apart from just um, doing installations and creating and designing uh, these kitchen gardens for people, organic gardens for people, uh, one of the other things that I also do is teach people through, you know, virtual coaching lessons, things like that. I create planting plans and planting guides for them as well. And I teach people how to grow their own food and help them with whatever questions that they have as well. I like it. Thank you. So why are you so passionate about teaching other people about gardening, right? Because I know with the business you mentioned, you could just focus on installing gardens and then that's it. But you said, no, like I'm going to take it a step further and make sure these people they actually understand about gardening. So why is that so important? So I personally think gardening is very intricately connected with living your best life. 
And I just tell people to grow their own food and live their best life. This is a motto of mine and my company's. Yes. Which is, I'm here to encourage you to grow your own food and live your best life. And to be honest, I think it's very closely connected. Gardening isn't just about going and watering your plants, but it's actually about seeing something grow from seed to harvest, enjoying that. When you're in nature, you're present, you're not distracted. I could go out in the garden, I could tell my husband, I'm just going there for five minutes and I could easily spend hours. Doesn't that happen to you? (laughs) All the time, all the time. (laughs) All the time. And I think that's the thing, it's a lifestyle. And once people try it, like I started the podcast with you about, it's like exercise, it gives you a high. Once you just start gardening, it's something about being in nature, being with the plants and nurturing something and seeing it grow. That kind of, you know, makes you feel relaxed, makes you feel a sense of pride and accomplishment, to be honest. And you feel like you've achieved something, even in that little small way of a a plant turning into a big plant, into some tomatoes or fruits and harvest, you feel accomplished in a certain way. And so even, you know, I encourage people, if you're having a challenging time in your life, could be with your job, could be with your family could be just mentally as well. If you feel like you want to feel like you're accomplishing something and you've created something of your own, I highly encourage people to give gardening a try. So it's something that has really helped me for sure. I love your motto, grow your own food and live your best life. Thank you. Thank you so much. Put that on a t-shirt. I love that. (laughs) I love that. Thank you. Okay, so I know that on your social media, you give a lot of tips about like small space gardening. Okay, so can you share some of your tips here for anybody who's maybe looking to get into gardening and they don't have a lot of space to get started? If you don't have a lot of space and you want to start gardening, the first thing is containers are your friends. So if you absolutely, if you live in a place like say New York City, and don't even have a backyard and just have a little bit of patio space. Start with containers, start with herbs. Those are the easiest things to grow. You can even, you know, put in some basil, some mint, which is super easy to grow. So I would highly encourage people to start with containers. The second thing is if you have a little bit more space than just, you know, for containers, then try and, you know, build yourself a small garden. Don't start big. A lot of people make the mistake by going all in, all out and, you know, creating a huge garden. And I think that's a mistake because it's very easy to feel overwhelmed, especially, you know, when you have a lot of watering to do, you have a lot of plants to maintain. So start small. And the third thing is, if you are a little bit more of an experienced gardener, then my recommendation, and this is what I do in my garden as well, I plant seedlings here and there and I pack them in as close as possible but not too close but because you want things to still have enough space to thrive and get enough energy and nutrients right and not compete with each other but I pack in as much as possible and then after a few weeks I go back to the garden and if you are a little bit of an experienced gardener or not this could be a good tip, which is go in there and see if you have any empty spots, things that are not looking so good or things that, you know, you have some space, just go and direct so. It could be even something as simple as tucking in some radishes in the cooler season 
which grow really fast in like 30 days, you get a harvest could be something like putting in a little lettuce seedling here and there or even direct sowing lettuce, which is very easy and gives you a quick harvest. So go in there, empty spots, fill them in. And even if you don't want to, you know, put in veggies, you can even put in flowers or herbs, rosemary, thyme, very easy to grow. So that's my advice would be if you're in a small space, start with containers. Next step would be to build your own small garden. And then the third thing is keep going there, checking on your plants, any empty spaces, direct so. Have some seeds on hand all the time. Those are great tips. Thank you. (laughs) Great tips. Okay, so now what about, I'm just going to keep asking you for tips if you don't mind. Absolutely, go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, all right. So since you design and install gardens, I have a question for you. What about, what are some tips for anyone who, you know, during this COVID, like you said, a bunch of people got into gardening and maybe they did it for the, the first year and now they're ready to expand their garden. Do you have any tips for designing or even installing a garden yourself at your house? Absolutely. So my number one tip would be that depending on the zone that you live in or the area that you live in, design for that climate. Okay. So start with that. Think of what kind of climate I'm living in and start there. The second thing is look around. For us in New Jersey, for example, we have a lot of deer. We have a lot of squirrels and chipmunks that are constantly coming in and eating up our vegetables. So it's important to start with fencing or some sort of a protective barrier. Because especially if you're starting your garden, I always advise my clients here in New Jersey that fencing is absolutely crucial. You can cover your plants with all kinds of makeshift materials, but fencing at the end of the day is really what gets the job done, not the, you know, pepper sprays and the coyote urine. (laughs) I've tried (laughs) all of those things. I, I don't even know how they get those, first of all. But trust me, number one, protect your garden, because especially if you're going to do raised beds, then you want to make sure uh, you have some fencing in. So start with fencing. The second thing would be in terms of raised beds. Now, I know lumber is so expensive, so expensive right now. So be creative. If you can't get cedar wood, then get your hands on Douglas fir. Use untreated wood. Grow in containers, perhaps, if you don't have the budget. But start with raised beds. Now, I always recommend to people to build their raised beds at least 12 inches tall. And the reason being is when they're that height, you can easily grow root veggies like carrots. Okay. If they're just six inches, I know it's a little bit tougher to grow your root veggies. That's my experience. And then the other thing is pull off the design elements from your own home. Look at the colors that are in your home or on the exterior of your house. Look at the stonework that you have and see what you like and pull those elements from your home into your garden to make it look aesthetically pleasing. So if you have a beautiful white house with like a dark slate uh, gray roof, maybe, then use marble chips as gravel on your pathways, which will pull off the colors from your home. You can even stain your raised beds if you like a different color. So play around with that. And the way I like to do it is I like to have a clear distinction. You want borders, which is like either your fencing or some sort of edging. You want clear pathways and you want enough distance between your raised beds as well. Because oftentimes people don't give enough space. And if you don't, then it's just a challenge to go through. Because plants as seedlings, they look a certain size. But when they're bigger, I mean, they can completely take over your garden. 
I have two squash plants planted in the corners of my raised beds and two different raised beds. And I'm not kidding. The leaves are like, I'm a size nine, I think in my shoes. And the leaves are probably like, imagine a foot size of like a 16. It's huge. So they can just completely take over your garden. So plan to have at least two and a half to three feet of space, if it's possible, between your raised beds. Make sure you have uh, proper pathways and it doesn't have to be gravel. You can even do wood chips or some sort of mulch so it's easy to walk on, suppresses the weeds. And think of some sort of fencing, especially if uh, critters are a problem. And pull off the elements, design elements from your home. And all in all, if you're going to spend on anything in terms of, you know, you're building your own garden, the number one thing you should spend on is soil. Get the best soil you can with the maximum amount of best amendments so you can grow your food and you know you're going to grow them so well that's actually going to nourish your body. Yes, yes. You can hear that. She said, spend your money on soil. Absolutely. High five. (laughs) I love that. Great, great. Because I think a lot of people will go and spend a lot of money on the beds or a lot of money on just the aesthetics of the garden And the soil is just an afterthought. No, the soil should be the number one priority in your budget. And then comes everything else. And so if you can't get cedar, get any sort of untreated wood. And there are so many options these days to, you know, grow outside. But soil don't ever compromise on. I agree. I agree. Also, earlier I mentioned that we have been social media friends for quite some time. When did you get started with, I guess, social media and what kind of led you down the gardening, I don't know, pathway avenue with social media? So I think I had my Instagram account for a while and this has been Raish Gala has been my personal Instagram account as such. But I think in 2019, December, I don't know if you know Shay, do you know Shay uh, from what Shay did? I don't think so. Okay, Sharon. Okay, I think we're maybe we're mutual friends. I'm not sure. But she was one of my gardening Instagram friends. I've never met her, but I've been so inspired by her garden. And she actually nominated me for the 2020 Burpee Gardener of the Year. And they selected me actually somehow miraculously, I thought they selected me as one of their 2020 gardeners of the year. They selected me in December 2019. I got a message from them saying you've been selected because she had nominated me, my Instagram friend. She had nominated me. At that point, Timothy, I had literally 350 followers on Instagram, which is just my friends and family. And I was quite honestly shocked to put in the in the same bucket as people like you and so many other great, great gardeners who I actually look up to. And I was like, oh my God, how is this possible? And they said they were going to send me their plants to try out and, you know, take pictures and things like that. So I said, you know what? It's one of those things in life that sometimes people see something in you that you don't yourself see and you're oblivious to. And I told myself, I said, you know what? Maybe there's something there that people don't see in me, but others believe in me. And I should take this seriously because I was gardening all this time and just helping my friends here and there, but nothing serious. And so at that point, I decided to turn things around. And it's like, you know, when you get a small little opportunity that knocks on the door, you have to just say yes. That's all you have to do is never say no, just say yes and see what happens. And I said yes to that opportunity. And to be honest, that made me get serious about Instagram. And I started posting 
seriously about just gardening. I said before, if you see my much older posts, which I did not delete, I want to keep my account completely authentic and organic. My earlier posts were about, you know, fitness, eating healthy foods, I'm vegetarian, and a little bit of gardening here and there as well, but nothing focused. And when this happened, I got serious about it. And I started focusing all my posts about gardening. And that kind of led more people to be you know, attracted towards my account, I think, and led my following to grow. And today, I think I have maybe in a year's time, today I have what, about 13,500, 13,600 followers from the 350 last March. And it's all about just believing in yourself and just being consistent and to just, you know, show up authentically. I like what you said. When you knock on a door, you get to the door, you say yes. An opportunity comes, you say yes. See, look at that. That's how gardening ties back into real life here. Exactly. Exactly right. You're 100% right. That's exactly how it is. And I think it was a start, I think, with Burpee that they believed in me. And then so many other people started following me and they believed in me as well and what I was saying. And apart from that, it led to more opportunities, not just the garden coaching and the business, but also partnerships with companies like Kellogg, for example, to create YouTube videos for them and collaborations with other great companies that I actually use and their products and that I believe in. And it's all about when, you know, opportunity comes, like I said, just saying yes, it could be small, but say yes to it and start there and it'll take you to bigger things if you just let it. Yeah, that's the truth. That's the truth. So now that you're involved with the gardening community in social or on social media, like what are your thoughts about the gardening community? Yeah, like I said, on all forms of social media. So just in a very positive note, I would say I'm so lucky that of all the niches out there on Instagram, that I'm part of the gardening community because genuinely, I would say majority, majority of the people are so nice, so helpful, so willing to learn and willing to help. And I generally feel that online, there are so many people there. Gardening is one of those things. There's no one way to do it. There's no right way to do it. There's no wrong way to do it. Like with tomatoes, you can, I think I just did a video the other day. It's your choice. You can prune the suckers and pinch them off or let the tomatoes grow wild. You can stake them or you can, you know, put them in a cage or however you want. You have so many ways of gardening. And I think there's so many people out there in our gardening community on Instagram who are showing others how to grow their own food. And I think we have to just keep in mind at the end of the day, everybody is trying their best and everybody is just, you know, growing food their way. And there's no right or wrong way as long as you try something and you're willing to, you know, grow your own food. Right. I agree. I agree. All right. So I'm not going to take up too much more of your time. I have a couple more questions and then the rapid fire section. Oh, my God. <laughs> where I just ask you random questions that I didn't send you beforehand. <laughs> Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, my God. I hope I'm prepared for that. <laughs> now you really know at a rapid question round. You'll really know if I'm a gardener or not. Huh? <laughs> All right. So, I mean, you've already given so many tips, but I guess I'll ask again. Do you have any more tips you want to give to new gardeners or anybody who's interested in getting started gardening? Um, so my number one tip would be start small. Don't start big. The second thing would be 
start with herbs and greens. The easiest thing to grow would be lettuce, mint, and your herbs, leafy greens. Next level, when you're progressing on, go to your root vegetables. They're not that tough, believe me. And finally, go to your fruiting vegetables, such as your tomatoes and cucumbers. And lastly, when you go to the next level, I would say try your hand at fruits and berries, such as blueberry bushes, asparagus, things like that, you know, just uh, give that a go or apple trees, perhaps, you know, Uh, so that would be next level. So start small and start with herbs and greens and leafy vegetables. Those are the easiest and then progress on from there. Okay. You just mentioned apple trees and I went to a dark space in my head (laughs) because I have an apple tree outside and it had, I don't know, 10 or so apples and these birds went and got all of the apples before I could even get one. Yeah. yeah, Oh no. I know that's, it's hard, you know, it's so hard as a gardener. That's why I'm like fencing and all those things because protect our precious material. (laughs) Yes, I agree. I agree. All right. So yeah, last question. It's really just the outro. If you will let everyone know where they can find you online, please. Sure. So the best place really to connect with me would be through Instagram. And my handle is at Raish Gala, which is R-E-S-H-G-A-L-A. And apart from Instagram, you can also find me on my website, which is RaishGala.com, which is my name. And apart from that, I think I even have a New Jersey Kitchen Garden Club on Facebook. Yep. So you can look that up. Okay. Now, time for the rapid fire questions. And I don't know what I'm going to ask. Here we go. First question. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would you live? I would live in Bangalore, India, my hometown where I grew up. Best memories are childhood memories. (laughs) I like that. I like that. Okay. Do you like hot weather or cold weather better? Hot, hot, hot. (laughs) Hot, hot, hot. Okay. Do you like cantaloupes? I love it. I love all fruits. Give me all of them. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I really should have put more thought into these rapid fire questions because this isn't a good. Okay. What's your favorite food? Food as in like fruit or food? Food, not not. Well, no, no. Rapid fire. Let's do both. What's your favorite fruit? And then what's your favorite just food in general? Okay. So my favorite fruit, actually, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's called Targola in India. Yeah, look it up. It's it's amazing. I think it's from a palm tree. Okay. And people have to climb up really high and get that. It's black in color, the shell. But you kind of, you know, peel it off like a coconut and take it out. And inside, it's like this delicious, translucent, clear fruit, almost like a lychee, but it's much bigger. And it's got like the sweet water, nectar, like a coconut water thing inside. It is so delicious. Oh, my God. That's my absolute favorite. I would say is the targula, which is I think it's some sort of a palm fruit, so to speak. Okay. That's my favorite fruit. And if you're not... Never heard of it. Yeah. And if you're not familiar with that, I love lychees and cherries as well. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. And in terms of my favorite food, I would say it is... Number one would be, of course, mom's home-cooked meals would be the best. (laughs) Like comfort Indian food, you know, lentils and rice or anything that mom would cook would be amazing. And I haven't met her for two years because of COVID. So I really miss her. They're in India, actually. So... 
comfort food, mom's food, and the second would be tacos. Anytime. <laughs> Love it. Well, if you were in Texas, you can get all the tacos you want out I here. I see your Taco Tuesdays, so yeah. <laughs> so inspired. Never miss a Tuesday. Can never miss a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, that's all for the rapid fire questions. I have to do better with those. <laughs> I have to do better. I need to ask some questions that make people really sweat. Oh my gosh. No, this is good. This is <laughs> okay. good. I could answer them, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's all. I want to say thank you for taking time out of your day to hop on the show. It was great. It was a pleasure to actually meet you, even though it was just over Zoom and through this podcast. You know, we've been friends. Like I said earlier, we've been Instagram friends for quite some time. So this was great. Thank you. Thank you so much, Timothy. And just, you know, I want your listeners to also know that, you know, when we talk about the gardening community, you have been so kind and helpful yourself. You taught me how to make kombucha, by the way, just, you know, so thank you for that. And you have been such an inspiration to people like me. And I really want to thank you for having me on your show. Thank you. Thank you for the kind words. And thank you for gardening. I just want everybody to garden. So I'm glad that the information that I put out there, I'm glad it had a positive effect. Thank you so much, Timothy, for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining the show. Have a great day. You too. Bye. All right, bye. Before I let you go, I need you to do more than one thing. First, I need you to like, comment, subscribe to the podcast. Second, I need you to tell a friend or two about the show if you enjoyed it. And if you have anybody you think I need to talk to, I should interview, send the name over, put it in the comments, or send me an email, igrow at Big City Gardener. And check me out, man, on Instagram and on all social media platforms, Big City Gardener. We out. Oh, almost forgot. Just grow it. <laughs>